Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I, you know, Monday blues, the weekend was too fast. Yeah, I was. spent it in, in up where my parents live and I just like, it's so tough to like leave after just like one night. I don't know. I really love visiting my parents, so. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, um, the weekend flew by. Um, me and the family, we went to Disney yesterday. How uh, was that? It was fun. A little busy, but not like too bad. We were uh, we did like a late afternoon evening trip. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, it's much better. We were able to get on a few rides and, you know, do some stuff. So that was fun. Uh, overall, though, the weekend goes by too quickly. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. It is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, now, uh, before we get started, uh, we have not one, but two movies that we're going to review today. So we're going to pick up the pace here. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. So uh, today we are going to talk about two movies. The first one is a Disney movie based <laughs> off of a ride. And convenient that, that you just went to Magic Kingdom. I know. Very convenient. <laughs> Didn't get to ride that one, although I did ride a different ride that was also turned into a movie. Uh, but the one we're <laughs> talking exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the one we're talking about today is Jungle Cruise. Uh, Jungle Cruise is the latest feature by Disney. Uh, Jessica, why don't you go ahead and tell us what it's about? The IMDb synopsis reads, based on Disneyland's theme park ride where a small riverboat takes a group of travelers through a jungle filled with dangerous animals and reptiles, but with a supernatural element. Yes, uh, I guess that's pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah. So the movie's directed by Yaume Colette Serra, okay. uh, and it is written by Michael Green, Glenn Ficarra, and John Requa, and it is stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson... Dwayne. Dwayne. <laughs> Emily Blunt, Edgar Ramirez, and Jesse Plemons. That's so right. uh, a nice crew there. Now, uh, what did the critics have to say about this movie in particular? It's currently sitting at a 62% Rotten Tomatoes score, but the audience score is way higher at 93%. So audiences love this movie. Yeah, they do. The yeah. The critics' consensus reads, its craft isn't quite as sturdy as some of the classic adventures it's indebted to, but Jungle Cruise remains a fun, family-friendly voyage. Now, when it came to the box office, uh, the actual amount that it made was $34.2 million domestic. It was the number one movie of the box office weekend. It pushed ahead of some of their projections. They were expecting it to make high 20s. You know, 34.5 is or 34.2 is not too bad. Disney Plus also released that they made 30 million from their, uh, sh you know, straight to Disney Plus premiere access. Right. So pretty good numbers so far. We'll see how that helps them because this is a movie that costs 200 million dollars to make. So 
That is not a lot of money right oh now so far. God. But again, pandemic does not help either. Wow. Yeah. So wow. okay. And with that said, Jessica, what did you think of Jungle Cruise? It was okay. And that's pretty much the end of my thought. I honestly didn't. <laughs> I didn't oh, think God. we were going to review Jungle Cruise. So I didn't like put together coherent thoughts before coming into this. But honestly, I thought it would be worse oh. than it was. And so it, it, I guess, exceeded my expectations in that respect. I'm a huge fan of the original ride and... Obviously, we've ridden the ride so many times whenever we go to Disney's Magic Kingdom here in Orlando, which is where we're based out of. The puns and the wackiness of it are all part of the experience. The ride itself has been like ripped apart by like PC fiends out there who are trying to make it more inclusive and politically correct and all this crap. The ride is iconic. Right. You know, obviously, it's like based on like the African Queen and all of these like old style um, movies and properties. It's like an homage to that. So the movie, I guess, does an OK job of doing the same thing. But I think ultimately, I just found it too ridiculous. It's a family movie. It's for children. It's not a rated R flick. It's doesn't have too much depth to it but i think some of the choices they that they made in the third act were a little bit like but (laughs) (laughs) overall i had a pretty good time with it just laughing at it gotcha i think and sometimes with it but mostly at it i think that you and i are probably in disagreement with this one because i i very much enjoyed this movie (laughs) um i thought that it was a lot of fun uh can I say that it's uh, the greatest movie? No, of course not. Right. But I, I will say this, though. Uh, it feels reminiscent of, like, The Mummy in a way. Where you I can see that. Because like, it took so much inspiration from that adventure movie. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, having the almost kind of, like, reluctant male figure who's, you know, very masculine and... Masculine and yeah can be funny and then you have like the you know the the shore-headed uh female character who knows what they want to do you know they're an explorer or uh, undermined by male superiors exactly colleagues yeah and then you have like the bumbling sidekick kind character in a way brother (laughs) brother uh who you know doesn't really want to be there and is like a little too you know, above it all, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, stay all classy and everything. But overall, I, I enjoyed myself because there there was a lot of fun. There was a lot of fun in the movie <laughs> to be had. Uh, sometimes it was unintentional, the fun that you're having at this movie, because what do it's, you mean making, by that? it's making fun of it oh, in, yeah. in a way, like making fun of the movie itself, uh-huh. uh, because sometimes things that they you know, maybe think is supposed to land one way for the audience. It's more like, what the hell? You know, like (laughs) stuff like that. So that's what I mean by that. But overall, I think I enjoyed myself during this movie quite a bit. And would I return to it again? I think I would at least. Like just, I would visit it again, like just to check it out. Uh, Like if it were on TV or something, like 
I'd stop for a few minutes depending on what part of the movie they're on. I will agree the third act is a little weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just a lot. Well, a lot of it dealing with the main source of what exactly is happening, like why they're chasing after certain things. Yeah, uh, it's a little weird. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, before we get into spoilers for Jungle Cruise, did you have anything else to say about it? Dwayne shouldn't have too many, too much clothes on. I think that that was a big crime <laughs> of like, this movie. It's just like decking him out in so many layers. He's got a full vest on for the he whole does. movie, and it, it the hat on him is just like oh no, I. I truly feel like some people belong in certain eras when they are cast in period pieces, which this is a period piece. And Dwayne is not one of those people who can pull it off. You are right about that. Emily Blunt, chameleon, no issues with her. I think she's fantastic in this movie and I have zero qualms with her, truly. (laughs) Yeah, no. Pretty much anything she does. She's great. She's unassailable. She's fine. But uh, I, I even the brother, you know, is great. But I think Dwayne is just like he's up against Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt is like an actress, you know? Yes, she is. Dwayne is not an actor like Scorsese style. It's I, basically like lobster and Skittles, like that John Mulaney joke. Oh, my God. Like they're both good in their own ways, but like together in one meal. Maybe not. <laughs> oh man, that that is so mean. Like th- that <laughs> statement is so mean. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers for Jungle Cruise. The greatest trick, Houston. We have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's talk spoilers for Jungle Cruise. So this movie centers around uh, basically like this tree that has these petals that can, I don't know if it gives everlasting life or at least healing petals pretty much. Yeah. So healing properties. And so Emily Blunt's character wants to use it for research because it could heal any number of different ailments, different diseases. And so she hires The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, to take her down the river. It almost feels like Atlantis, actually, like when you put it that way, because she's convinced that this legend is real. Right. And she literally has to go through her brother to present her like pitch, like, let's go on an adventure as this, I don't know, whatever school society troop that they have there um, full of old men in science and put money behind this so that we can find this petal, this healing tree. Right. And it goes south. Like, she does not get permission to do this. And then she has to do it on her own, basically, just like Milo Thatch from the Atlantis yes. movie. Very true. <laughs> so, yeah. So, all of that leads to The Rock leading Emily Blunt and her brother down the river. And, you know... So many things happen to them. But in the end, like the main point of it is that number one, The Rock is actually not a normal person. He's been alive for hundreds of years. 
because he was one of the initial Spanish conquistadors, conquistadors that came <laughs> over from Spain looking for this tree. They never yes. found it on their initial trip. And he he was part of the group that was cursed. They were cursed. Pirate style. Pirate style. So they can't be far away from the river water, pretty much. They cannot stray away from it or else they basically turn into stone, really. They turn into stone. Mm-hmm. And that's why the rock has a riverboat. So he's always on the water so he can always like at least be alive pretty much. <laughs> at least he can live. At least he can live. And he has lived for hundreds of years and he has seen people come and go and he's built towns and like <laughs> and uh, the funny- raised a horde of cats. What big cats <laughs> yes. that live in the in the wilderness there. That is true. But my my favorite thing and I think your favorite thing about it is that The Rock had hair and a beard. Oh, my gosh. So this elaborate flashback with him telling his story yes. and his tale of woe. Yes. The Rock has like a full goatee, full head of curly hair. Yes. And in present day, well, not present day, but whatever this is set, like the early 1900s. I think it's. Even further back than Wasn't that. Wasn't it like 1500s. World War One? Was the no, 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 backdrop? No. The backdrop was when him and the Spanish conquistadors. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about in whatever present day. Oh, is present like day the- is, yeah, like World War One era. So like early 1920s, 1910s. Yeah. Something. So in that time, he's completely bald. Right. As we know the rock to be bald, today. shaven. But I said when I left the theater, if. He had a full head of hair as a conquistador. Why would he chop it all off in present day? That is a fair question. That is a great question. (laughs) What is that about? And I love that, you know, he tries a little bit of Spanish sometimes. That's the the problem is that you have real like... Um, what's his name? Ed, Edgar, Edgar Ramirez. Yes. He has the full, I don't know where he's from, but like that Spanish accent was dead on. Perfect. Immaculate. Spanish from Spain accent. And his two co- cohorts. That, right. The However many like guys are with him. Yeah. They have like the list, also the Spanish list. Doing and the everything. Spanish list. It's awesome. And then Dwayne over here is supposed to be a contemporary of theirs and cannot manage to say basic spanish words while sounding convincing and that was like okay this story is not very plausible like from the get-go but then it wasn't like attempted you know no that's true so for me i will say that i think that going on a quest and looking for the macguffin of the movie is fine i i don't mind that problem or That's not really a problem. I don't mind that part. Mm -hmm. What I will say, though, is I was having a problem with the way the movie was leading towards the end, which was, oh, it's going to come down to a decision where am am I going to use the pedal to be able to save humanity or am I going to use it to (laughs) save Dwayne Johnson? Yeah. And, you know, very how how would I compare it to? There's another movie that kind of did something similar, but I can't put my finger on it. But 
in the end, number, I don't know how you feel about it, but Blunt and Dwayne Johnson form a romance. So hold on. So basically, the decision comes down to: Is this man worth the weight of humanity in my life? Well, of course not. For Emily Blunt. Well, it shouldn't be, but. And Emily Blunt and The Rock basically have to develop such a bond where she does make that decision to save Dwayne. And I don't feel like they delivered on any of those fronts. I think that they tried to force a a romantic relationship between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And here is my biggest thing. And I asked you this when we left the movie. Do you feel that you could put The Rock in any romantic situation in any movie? And the, I feel the like the answer is no. no. <laughs> you, I cannot see. Okay. So, like, the perfect example and the perfect counterpart to someone like The Rock is someone like John Cena. Uh huh. John Cena has made his way into acting and he was in the movie Trainwreck. That's right. Amy Schumer. He played her like jerk boyfriend early in the movie. And believable. Believable stuff. And even though like he plays like a jerk and whatever, like you can buy that there is like someone's in a relationship with John Cena. Right. But you can never buy. I can never buy. On screen. Dwayne is sexless. (laughs) I think that he He is is like a platonic person. Yeah. And so on screen, when you try to put a romantic interest with him, it just doesn't work. No. It, it doesn't feel like it works. So so that would be the one thing that I it's will so, say. He's so unapproachable. And I can't remember what episode going back in the hundred and something episodes we have. But like we've talked about this before. Yes, we have. About how what, who would you pair with Dwayne? Like period. That. When it comes romantically, I don't. Romantically, it's like I don't not really there. See anyone. I don't yeah. see anyone that can. We complained about this as well in Hobbs and Shaw, where with they Vanessa tried to Kirby. manufacture this relationship with Vanessa Kirby. And it's just like negative, dead in the water. Like, don't even try. It's like bad. Yeah, it is. So this, so. I told you that this was the closest it has come in Dwayne's career to having a romantic interest in a movie that's somewhat in the most basis way you can buy. But at this level where at the end of the movie, the stakes are like, oh my God, so suddenly so high for a children's movie. Like, no, it doesn't work there. But as far as like the general flirtation and, you know, they them caring for each other, that's fine. But in 20 years, do I imagine that they're still together? No. No. <laughs> no, not at all. A lasting romance? No. <laughs> no, definitely not. So it's tough. It's tough for for Dwayne. Tough beat for Dwayne. <laughs> tough beat for Dwayne. Uh, overall, I think uh, some of the good things that I really enjoy about the movie, uh, I love the brother character. Brother uh, character is stealing the show. Steals the show. Just all the witty remarks. Although... Um, I know that people may complain. I, I've heard like it's little complaints, but not necessarily um I would say anything too like grand. But obviously if you're looking at the character, the character appears to be gay. And he oh, yeah, mentions stuff. Yeah. And so they but they never I guess like fully say like, oh, 
I'm gay or anything like that. Like he just hints at it as close as you as close as you can he was literally like my interests lie elsewhere and i said no to all of these different ladies exactly (laughs) it's like i but i've seen i can read between the lines yeah i've seen slight complaints and i'm like i don't see why that's a complaint like the character obviously is stating that they are (laughs) uh so but i i loved his character his character is great um I found him really funny. Oh, yeah. He's hilarious. Like, genuinely funny. Jesse Plemons. Can do no wrong. Jesse Plemons is he, is eating, chewing up the scenery in this movie. Yes, he is, man. <laughs> he plays like a German, uh, you know, sol- well, not soldier. A prince, like no? A, he's a prince of is Austria? Is he a prince? He's a prince of some kind. He's a prince of something. I guess, but he Over has a heavy accent mm-hmm. throughout the movie. <laughs> And he is having so much fun. He is yes. so much fun. I can guarantee you they didn't pay Jesse Plemons enough money to be in this movie. Of course not. <laughs> the, so we have known Jesse Plemons for a while. This guy appears in great, you know, stuff. He, This has to be his like, hey, I'm getting a paycheck here. I'm you just going to have some. Yeah, this is a paycheck movie for sure. To play a villain in a Disney movie? Yeah, like, hey, I can, you know, make some good money here. I'll put on a fun accent and, you know, just roam around in the background, say some, you know, silly lines, and that's going to pay for my house. (laughs) It is so silly. He's literally rolling around the rivers of Brazil in a submarine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like a Scooby-Doo episode. It, like oh it's just God, like yeah, it like wild. It really is. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the design of the conquistadors when they're cursed? So Pirates of the Caribbean walked so that Jungle Cruise could run because I believe if there were no, um, you know, characters animated into other things like Davy Jones being like an octopus sort of deal. Yeah. And all of the other crew members on um, the that ship, like you would not have the Bumblebee Man from <laughs> this Jungle Cruise movie or the Snake Man, which was Edgar Ramirez's yeah. character, was just like comprised of snakes. I don't even know. Um, it was bizarre. I liked it in general, but like I honestly felt like it was a ripoff of. It is. It is. Uh, This movie borrows a lot from different, you know, different movies. So Pirates is one. uh, The Mummy is one. I'm trying to think. There's other movies it borrows from. African Queen. African (laughs) Queen. Oh, you know what I just thought of? Like the whole like, like making a choice about like an artifact at the end of a movie type of thing. Uh, The Last Crusade. Yeah. Yeah. You know, are you going to, you know, take that cup of life, you know, that's to, what it is, you know, for yourself? Or are you going to do it for someone else type of thing? So that's so it borrows a lot of elements and it's not bad if you do it better than, you know, whatever you're borrowing from, you know. But, you know, in this case, it doesn't do it better than any of them. It It just borrows them. That's it. How did you feel about the uh, natives that were in the, the jungles there? That was bit. That's been a big source of contention on the real 
ride itself is that yeah it has been oh it's racist portrayal of whatever um you know indigenous peoples that are in south america or brazil or wherever the ride is and what they did to get around that was that they kept the controversial character trader sam and just made it a woman and made it all like a joke as part of this basically scam right because <laughs> the Wayne is character running. is basically yeah. a scam artist for the most part that these you know natives are in on the scam and are basically making a joke of their own culture for the tourists and to make a buck yeah how'd you feel about that like i didn't really i mean care per se i didn't i didn't find too much of a problem with it i can understand if people have issues with that you know that uh I don't know if it's cliche, but basically that stereotype that indigenous people are are just straight up wild and, you know, they're going to, you know, headhunter type of thing. You know, I get if people are upset about that. I get it. But the way the movie treats it, they don't treat it like you said. They don't treat it with seriousness like we're going to lean into the stereotype. We're going to have fun with it almost. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to play it off as, oh, this is we're making fun of the fact that you think of a stereotype for it. So you're going to make the assumption it's that these people. So yeah, I know. Like you <laughs> like the audience already knows like, oh, there is a stereotype about these people. They're playing into it. And then it's revealed. Oh, it was all a prank because we know you're going to stereotype against this. So. It's not bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, so overall, I I thought it was fine. I thought it I was... thought that the scene where she's like, "Oh, translate this for me," and like they're dealing with the head chief, was like very Star Warsy, like with mm. the Ewoks. With the Ewoks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know. I don't know. <laughs> Tell her that, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It does feel a little bit that way. Uh, so overall, like we we get to the end, we get our resolution where she decides the last petal that stays alive because the moon is like moving. So yeah, she the uses clouds that are pedal. covering the moon. Or no, the moon like is it's waning? basically like the rotation of the Earth. Like the moon is no longer like dead center. It's like moving away from shining its light, the moonlight on the tree. That that's what's happening because there's like a hole in the in there's in the sphere that they're in that's shining the light directly on the tree. But as like, you know, night is falling, the moon is moving away. So the light is beginning to fade off of the tree. So if she's able to get the last little petal that is still being shown, you know, the light is shining on it and she uses that petal to save the rock. Because he sacrifices but there, himself. But it's a cop out. Because but it's later a cop on, out. The moon's like, ha ha, just kidding, and it shines a beam of moonlight on another branch, and so boom, they're able to have their cake grows. and eat it too. Yes, that's pretty much what it is. They're able to have their cake and eat it too. It's ridiculous sometimes. Like this is what I don't really like. Sometimes is that a lot of movies really want a complete satisfying ending. So they want every single thing to have a happy ending, every single, mm-hmm. uh, you know, through line, every single s- subplot. 
And sometimes that's just not it. Like sometimes <laughs> that's just not how it works. But again, they're probably thinking this could be a franchise or something. So they have to, you know, keep characters alive. They have to keep them, you know, Oof. from not being. You think we're going to get a mummy too? I mean, a Jungle Cruise too? I, who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know about now because of the fact that with the pandemic, like they, they're definitely not going to make their money back. Well, I don't Maybe think Maybe it's they a Thames are. cruise because they're in London now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> who knows? What was your favorite part of the movie before we uh, get out of here and do the Green Knight? Uh, my favorite part, I think it, it's the variety of different puns that were just being spewed by the, the rock. puns. Yes. <laughs> the puns were a lot of fun. They kept the backside of water. They did. Pun, which is a classic staple pun in yes. the ride itself. They did that. Uh, what was another pun that they said? Oh, my God. Let's talk about Paul Giamatti for a second. Oh, yeah. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> so he's also chewing up scenery as like a dock fleet owner of other jungle cruises. I think from what I could tell, he was italian or supposed to be italian italian yeah okay yeah like could have used more paul giamatti yeah just a little more because paul giamatti again this is definitely another paycheck movie (laughs) for sure and he again was having a lot of fun (laughs) himself like that silly accent that he was putting on and he was like super like sunburnt it looked like (laughs) yes like that guy caught way too much sun so, yeah. uh, yeah. So the puns are definitely a fave for you. Any other scenes? Oh, I love the puns. Um, when it comes to some of the like, the action sequences, some of them just kind of like wash over me. Like I'm just like, okay, this is fine. Like nothing really stood out in terms of the action. Like that, I'm just like, oh wow, that was amazing because it's so much CGI. Yes, it's a CGI bonanza. It really is. Yeah. So it's just like I don't know what what the boat jumped a building at one point and I then know exactly made how it the did submarine it, yeah. crash into the the docks and I was like I think I turned to you and I was like what are we watching? It was just too much. Yeah, it was too much. Uh that moment was Pretty much the submarine shoots a missile at it. It shoots it and it's coming behind the boat. And what happens is like he sees like a little ramp. So he like steams forward with the ramp towards it. And so as the missile, it glides under the boat because he hits the ramp and then the missile explodes the building underneath. And that's what pops the boat almost over the building. Hmm. It's ridiculous. Who's the better cat sidekick? This cat, leopard or whatever, was in this Proxima? movie, or Raja from Aladdin? Oh, it's it's Raja. Come on, that's an unfair. <laughs> that's so unfair. Oh, I'll throw a wrench in it. What about Life of Pi Tiger? No, it's still Raja. <laughs> still Raja. Come on. <laughs> okay. Oh no. What about Aslan from the Narnia series? Uh, I think I'm still giving it to Raja. Get out. I Aslan love, versus Raja, Raja and Raja Raja's wins. Great. Raja's Get great. out. Okay. Um one of the one of the uh, 
Uh, what's it called? One of the puns. Hey, McGregor had a girlfriend once. She was cross-eyed. Didn't work out. We could never see eye to eye. <laughs> but it kept going. Like, it was, like, another layer to it. Yeah, like, he just kept, like, stacking <laughs> pun on pun on pun. Like I he, love that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to, you know, listen to them because of the fact that we... As, you know, Disneyland or Disney World slight enthusiasts, we've gone to Jungle Cruise many times Mm -hmm. and we have definitely heard our fair share of puns while on the ride. So it's it's a fun time when you hear of hear of it and you listen to them and they're a lot of fun to listen to. And, you know, they made people laugh in the theater. People were laughing at it. So. Uh, so overall, I enjoyed it. What did you give it as a score? I gave it a two and a half, maybe like a three. Gotcha. I'll give it a three. Oh, you five. gave it a three? Yeah. Uh, I settled on a three as well. Okay. I just happened to like it more, I guess, than you did. But we ended up at the same score. Uh, so Okay, then maybe I'll change it to two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's rude. All right. (laughs) So I think we can go ahead and wrap up our conversation on Jungle Cruise. Uh, Before we do that, nothing else to say on Jungle Cruise? Nope. I think we're ready to get into some medieval goodness over here. Yeah, we are. So right now we are going to go ahead and have our conversation about the Green Knight. All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk about The Green Knight. This is yes. the newest film from A24. So, Jessica, why don't you go ahead and let us know what this movie's about? IMDb synopsis reads a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and The Green Knight. Very straightforward, very simple. <laughs> uh, so we have that. I think that's what it says in the intro, no? <laughs> yeah. The whole movie. I think it does say that in the movie as well. Uh, so right. this movie is written and directed by David Lowry. Uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he did. He's working right now on Peter Pan and Wendy for Disney. Ah, OK. And he made another movie that does have fantasy leanings for kids. So this is a, a little bit different. He leaned into uh, more adult fare with this one. Yes. And so this movie does star Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, Sean Harris, and Ralph Ennison. Uh, Ralph Ennison plays the title, The Green Knight. Uh, he is the one, and you'll know him, Jessica, and anyone else. You guys will know him from The Witch. He plays the father in The Witch. So that is. Oh, sorry, the Green I made Knight a face. Figure. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the Rotten Tomato score right now is at a 90%. She's fresh, y'all. And then the audience score is a 52%. So This is the exact opposite of what happened with Jungle Cruise. Yes, the exact opposite. That's not The audience was not with it, but the critics were like, yes, give me more. <laughs> the critics' <laughs> consensus reads, The Green Knight honors and deconstructs its source material in equal measure, producing an absorbing adventure that casts a fantastical spell. 
Yes. Hi. Now, uh, the movie, when it comes to box office, what it uh, did was 6.7 million domestic. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but here are some things that uh, go in its favor. Number one, this is the third highest opening in A24 history. The third highest opening. And it's the highest weekend ranking in terms of where it falls in the in the opening weekend. I see. Yeah. So it opened at number two this weekend. Oh, as the number two movie right this, after Jungle Cruise, right after Perfect. Jungle Cruise. So nice. this is the highest ranked movie that they've ever had on an opening weekend. So that's a pretty big deal for them. And they released it in summer too, which is like, yeah. Now, could you say that in a normal summer maybe that doesn't happen? Possibly. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, but it's possible. I still believe that this movie would have had an audience last summer had the pandemic not happened because it was supposed to be released last summer. Mm-hmm. And but I, I listened to the director, David Lowry, talk about it. And he said that he was glad that he had a little more time to work like editing mm-hmm. it because he himself finds the movie while editing he said it so himself. He loves. He finds the movie while editing. Yeah. So like whether or not, you know, how long does he want to hold a certain image? How long does he want certain things to last? You know, he he films a lot for the movie, apparently. Like he filmed almost four hours of footage, like like a four hour cut. And oh then from there, gosh. it's just like cutting down, cutting down, cutting down. And really like laying down like what is this movie actually going to tighten up to be uh-huh so it was it was enjoyable listening to him talk about it uh so where did you hear that so that if anybody oh wants to for anyone to who wants to you uh, his uh he has two different ones that i i listened to there was one on the slash film podcast Okay. And also on the Big Picture podcast from The Ringer, it okay. was an interview. <laughs> big Picture, of course. Yeah, so uh, those two are pretty interesting listens because he does talk in depth about why he decided to write this and everything. Oh. Uh, well, now, why, wait, how did, why did he decide to write it? Uh, he grew up loving, our, um, you know, like these classic, you know, Arthurian tales. Okay. And he always wanted to like dive into one like he said that his first script that he ever wrote or first story that he ever wrote was a retelling of one of the arthur stories when he was like nine or ten like he rewrote one in his you know in his own imagination Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. this is him coming back to it and on top of that this was kind of him kind of like dealing and grasping with where he was as a filmmaker as well so there was a lot of like like what we see with uh, Sir Gawain, what he goes through on his journey of like maturation and stuff is a lot of what David Lowry was pulling into from his own life. He of, had like, a maturing. hero's journey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like maturing and like, you know, coming to grips with what is expected of you as you age when you become older. What it, you know, stuff like that. So he, okay. he you know, he kind of right. pulled a little bit from his own. He grew up on life. this movie. Oh, yeah, he basically grew up on this movie. Okay. Uh, so, Jessica, now that we have all that out of the way, <laughs> what did you think of The Green Knight? It was bizarre. <laughs> I thought it was super weird, and I liked it. At the end of the day, I left the theater thinking about this movie. It really stuck with me. It's very memorable. I thought Dev Patel is firing on all cylinders. I don't think he gets enough credit for being such a great actor, but he... 
I mean, as soon as he got fame with Slumdog Millionaire and then kind of got blacklisted, he blacklisted himself basically from larger franchises after the train wreck that was The Last Airbender from M. Night Shyamalan, he just started doing indie movies. And I really respect that he's like, okay, maybe I just need to take it back to basics and do these really awesome pieces where I can sink my teeth into the character and in this case I'm not sure if anyone sunk their teeth into like Sir Gawain before maybe in earlier cinema but in this modern retelling I feel like it's really interesting to come back and look at a character grasping with medieval ideals and um uh the hero's journey that Sir Gawain goes through and also just so much temptation for this knight. You know, he's dealing with these knightly values, which is what the original epic poem is about. It's like a trial and tribulation sort of deal. And how does he come out, you know, after being tested? Yeah, I, so I really enjoyed it's that. It's nice. I like it. My English major senses are tingling when... You know, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, my God, is that the Green Knight? Like, is this what I think it is? And it yeah, is I remember like you, I you remember reading this in, in uh, what I don't, remember, I don't remember what class, but I was in college, I think. But, you know, it hit all the sweet spots for me. I think I also told you when I we were leaving the theater, I said, if there's not a frustrated sex scene, is it really an A24 movie? <laughs> we will get to that in in a moment. Uh, I really like this movie. I yeah. really did. Your I, eyes are glistening. Like you're just like, oh my god. You it's know so why? Good. It's because this movie really leans into you know some of the bizarre like choices that it makes, like or some of the yeah. I would say more interesting. Some people will choose bizarre, but. Um, so, I mean, the original poem, like, it does sort of describe what the Green Knight looks like, but this takes it to a whole new level. I feel like it was very imaginative yes, and vivid in its portrayal of this world and especially the fantastical elements and the way about this, like, chivalry deal. Like, what is chivalry about? I feel like it really breaks it down quite well in the movie versus a lot of telling, which... When you take a class and read Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, they're literally telling you like what to think. Yeah, I know. But in this case, it's basically a crash course on the same text, but within the context of a film, and it leaves it all up to you. Like what it I mean, you can tell he's trying to be chivalrous, you can tell he's trying to do this, XYZ, and you know, what do you think? How right. are you interpreting How it? are you interpreting the movie? How yeah. are you interpreting the text? Yeah. How are you absorbing his hero's journey mm -hmm. you know i really enjoy the way uh larry shot the movie mm. i think it looks beautiful like it has like that certain a24 aesthetic like there's <laughs> there's a certain color palette there's a certain uh you know cinematography like there's not a lot of uh shaky cam or you know most of it is just straight up, you know, uh, yeah. still shots. Really good. Like a lot of either panning or like zooming in slowly. It's very purposefully what they do with it. 
Uh, so I enjoy the way this movie looks. Dev Patel, he is great. He is great in this role. I think that he is a guy that, uh, like you said, he he hasn't really been doing a lot of like major, like large scale movies. Uh, I remember there was one, I believe it was Lion that he did, mm-hmm. a, a small that movie, was a smaller but, movie, yeah, but that he garnered a lot of attention from because of his work in that movie. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see him getting more roles where he gets to, you know, actually do stuff because, uh, like you said, he was kind of like, I don't think he was blacklisted. I think it was more no, he like he did a, it himself. Well, <laughs> he was like, I'm not taking calls for large films. And yeah. Franchises. Because yeah. Avatar, the last Airbender is such a, you know, for fans of that, of that series, of that tale, of that entire thing. Yeah, it's the crystal skull of that. Yeah, you know. it's a complete failure <laughs> of a movie. So, uh, yeah, I- I'm glad <laughs> that he's doing other things. He he has found happiness and joy in doing other types of projects. He doesn't have to, you know, sit there and do anything that he doesn't want to. Uh, the movie itself... I love the acting. The acting's great from everyone. You know what I really enjoy is that the movie. You know we we know that it's about Sir Gawain. Although the the way or they, they call him Garwin. Garwin, yeah, Garwin. I I don't know what the correct pronunciation. <laughs> I is. learned Maybe it Gawain, but yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, always knew it as Gawain. I don't speak Middle English or Old English or whatever this was originally written in. So. Exactly. So. But I will say one thing that I truly enjoyed, though, Mm. is that the movie doesn't, you know, spell out to you like who is everyone. But you you get who it is if you know of the tales. So, like, you know that he is speaking to King Arthur. You know that the sword that he has is Excalibur. You know, you know the things here and there from context clues, obviously. But you know it because... They don't have to spell it out to you. That's what I truly enjoy is that mm-hmm. they don't have to spell it out to you what exactly is happening throughout the movie. Right. You, you know when he's to up. come and say, like, the queen is Guinevere. Like, it's... Right. Yeah. Yeah, it just... It is there. No hand-holding. Thank you. No hand-holding. And I really appreciate that because most of the time you get a movie like this. And for lack of a better way of saying it, but basically it's just a person going, oh... King Arthur, the guy who pulled out Excalibur. What should I do? Like, it, it's like that, you know? You do have an intro that tells you, oh, there was a tale of this and that, and does mention Arthur Excalibur, the man who pulled, the boy who pulled the sword from the stone and all this stuff. But they literally go, this is not about them. <laughs> right, exactly. This is not about them. Uh, so I truly enjoy that. Uh, the design of the Green Knight is just fantastic. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like just like this wooden creature, you know, knight, because he still has armor and everything, but he's like made out of wood and branches and it's incredible. Yeah. It's nature incarnate. Oh, that's a great, that's a great phrase. <laughs> that is a great phrase. Uh, and throughout the movie, I, I do love the different temptations that Sir Gawain goes through. 
and you know the different challenges and uh some of the quirky people or characters that he meets like i enjoy some of those choices that they make on how they envision those characters or how they interact with Gawain. so overall i really enjoyed this movie and there's moments where maybe you'll feel a little uncomfortable but i have no problem with that because it's getting you to feel something different when watching a movie Mm-hmm. And I really, really respect that when when a filmmaker does that. So uh, any other thoughts before we get into spoilers? No, let's do spoilers. Let's do spoilers. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do spoilers for The Green Knight right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain was convincing the world you can't handle the truth he didn't exist oh what's in the box all right so let's go ahead and talk spoilers for the green knight where should we start (laughs) so i want to just say that the movie itself covers some stuff that's not in the epic poem so the Mm. beginning and end of the movie is pretty well documented in the epic poem But the center bits, all of his adventure, like how he gets to that grand um, castle, estate or whatever at the end is basically like glanced over, like not gone into detail. So he filled in all that like middle bit. Yeah. Like what happened to Sir Gawain on the way to face the Green Knight on Christmas Day? Like, I don't know. I'll just this is I'll just riff. So this is great. That's a great way of like. Taking a piece of text and, you know, doing that. I think somebody came up with an idea. I love this idea as a concept. So there is, I believe, in one of the Dracula movies, right? Mm-hmm. There is a news report that so many people died on a train. And you know it was Dracula who did it because they were transporting Mm-hmm. Somebody was saying they should make a movie about that train ride mm. of what happened on that train ride. And, who, you know, who are the people that survived to live the tale type of thing. And so that kind okay. of like fits into this, you know, this thing of like, oh, and he traveled to the Green Chapel to meet the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. And this is yeah, this kind of happened. But here, like, we're, like, getting details, like, people, you know, David Lauer, like, filling in the blanks of, like, what actually happens mm-hmm. on that on that trip. Because yeah. it's not just, like, getting from point A to point B and that's it. Right. Like, this is a hero's journey, so something has to happen throughout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy, you know, the different things that he struggles with along the way. Mm-hmm. So so that was, that was pretty good. Did you... I think it was really easy kind of to understand the game, the Christmas game. Yes. You know, the Green Knight shows up and like basically crashes this party Maleficent style and is like, if anyone can land a blow against me, if you do it and if you can in a year's a year's hence, I'll do the same to you. So it's it's such a weird proposition it really is it's a weird one it's when they show the people in the room and king arthur and stuff like no one really knows what to do other than a man has thrown down the gauntlet 
and someone needs to respond to him. You know, according to our code, according to honor, like the man needs an answer and someone needs to take up and rise to the challenge. (laughs) Yes. So I like that it's it's almost like everyone is a coward except for Gawain. Yes. Uh, And this is all a matter of the story that well, not the story, but what Gawain says to King Arthur when King Arthur asks him, tell me a tale about yourself so I could get to know you. Mm -hmm. And he says, I don't have one to tell. And so this is like nothing's happened to me yet. (laughs) Exactly. So at that moment, he decides, you know what? This is my opportunity to begin to make something of myself. Right. Assert myself, assert my manhood, develop a legend around myself, just like my uncle who's freaking King Arthur. Like there is no bigger legend in the medieval era than King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. So the fact that King Arthur is literally like a crusty old man cannot lift Excalibur against the Green Knight and that all of his knights who have done great heroic deeds and are great men said no. They're like, they just sat there. Yeah, they're like, "Mm, I don't think so. And they make a point of showing them and they're like, "Mm, I don't think I'm going to do this. This looks like a trap. (laughs) And Gawain is like, I'll do it and literally leaps across the table eager to do this violent thing. Yeah. And you think, oh, he's so courageous. But then the courage that he displays there is called into question the entire rest of the movie. Because... It's like deconstructing this one moment. Yeah, I know. that. <laughs> there's so much that went into that moment. Yeah. Because you can see the fear on his face. You can hear it in his voice when he's calling out the Green Knight, like, are you not going to, you know, attack or defend? Yeah. And the fact that he, even on his swing, he's hesitant. Yeah. You know, he hesitates for a moment like, you know, am I really going to have to do this? And he finally does. Mm -hmm. And there's confusion because the Green Knight doesn't actually die from a beheading. (laughs) Like he's still alive. Like, yeah, you know, so there's confusion for him. And then he thinks once the year passes, because that it's a quick little span that they jump to the next year, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And King Mm -hmm. Arthur's like, are you going to complete the game? Because you need to go find him. It's almost Christmas. And it's it's almost like the principle of the thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, it might be a game. It might be pretty savage. But, but you you've chose. agreed to this thing. And I think they threw up the word covenant. Mm. Which is such a great word. We don't hear that word today. No. People aren't around here saying, I made a covenant. Only like you know? when people like get married or something. And even then, it's more... Of in a religious context versus like, you know, casual Gentiles out here going, oh, yeah, me and my wife made a covenant together. Right. You know, you don't get a lot of that. And I feel like that word is so powerful. It implies a lot about the world that they're living in, where it's like if we're having a light duel between each other and the duel ends in a year, you have to show up and finish what you started. Yes have to show up you have to so in that way like 
it is all about like reciprocity. Like you did this to me, eye for an eye. Now I will do the same to you and you must stand there as I did and take it. I, I don't know. There's too many levels. There's a lot too, of levels. Too much symbolism. I like that the Green Knight does feel like a representation of nature and how literally he shows up on Christmas Day and he demands for a man to bl- uh, strike a blow on him. Yeah. And it's like this challenge that nature has posed. Can you do this? Can you take me out? Yeah. And if you can, I can do it back to you. Right. And can Which you stand there and take what I what I took? It's it's such a crazy game to get involved <laughs> with. And that's why no one else, none of the other knights were like, "Nah, man, I'm but not But again, like jump this in. isn't a foe that you know. No, it's not. This it's is, literally like you've never seen a creature he like just this showed before. up. Yeah. Interrupted the the feast, the merriments. Yeah. Yeah. I like the juxtaposition of like, it's Christmas day. Yeah. You know, our Lord and Savior, we're celebrating him and like a being from God knows where came and you're like, yeah, I'll spill blood on Christmas day. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's very pagan and Christian at the same time. Yes. Like the duality of that. Yeah. It's period is really cool. It's really, really cool. I okay, so let's go ahead and talk about some some other moments in this movie. Let's talk about Alicia Vikander's character. Okay. Because I don't remember her character in the original poem. Like okay. him having a lover and like she's a whore, but he doesn't really want to commit and like all this stuff, which actually is like pretty modern, you know, to have yeah. Someone that you're not proud to stand next to. That's a, um, that's something that I saw for those people. Like, since we're talking medieval, like, type of text, uh, Game of Thrones dealt with that with one of their main characters, with Tyrion. He -hmm. also had a, basically a whore who he fell in love with, and, but he couldn't, you know, actually stand with her, you know, out in people, with people. I found it heartbreaking, especially when he has to leave and fulfill this covenant. She's like, I want you to say all these things. And it's a beautiful piece of dialogue where she's like, I want you to say this and I want you to say that. I want to be your lady. Yes. And you'll be my man or something. Yeah. And it's just like he doesn't say anything like he's such a coward even in that moment with her and asserting himself in love and being unapologetic about who he loves or what have you. It just didn't, he's not man enough to even deal with that. No, he's not. And the movie continuously, basically at every moment gives him opportunities to be a man. Nightly. (laughs) Nightly, honorably, uh, with, you know, with honor, being able to stand for yourself and, you know, be courageous in the decisions that you make. And this movie gives, you know, the the story gives him so many chances to do that. And just about at every turn, he is a coward. He's a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. it it And it's it is funny to see at times. Other times it's just, 
you know, downright embarrassing to see, like just him going and making these poor choices sometimes. It's 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 mm-hmm. fascinating the the choices that he makes throughout the throughout the trip. I want to go to when he um he gets beset by robbers in the woods. Ah, uh, yes. But he first meets that dude who's like wandering about this like field of dead people and he's basically like tells him everything like oh i'm on a quest i gotta go i'm a knight whatever and the guy's like oh you're heading to the green chapel like it's two days ride this way versus you going the long way and to me it was very much a a medieval concept to why would he trust this dude who looks kind of crazy, kind of nuts out there, don't know anything about him, he has nothing to recommend him, is not of noble, is not a noble or part of his same uh, class. And he trusts him and is super naive and goes, oh, two days this way? Okay. And like goes through and straight into the trap that the dude set for him. And so I feel like that part is so, it's like his demise. So you know? the the biggest thing about literally that, knocks him off his horse. Well, yeah, that is true. the The biggest thing about that is that Gawain, you know, may be a man by age, but he is not a man by no experience. He has no experience. He still lives at home with his mom, you know, and yeah, because that that was a little point to make. You know, they they clearly wanted to let you know that he still is immature in that way like he he went to a whorehouse to see to be with alicia vikander's character and he comes back on christmas morning to his own home and his mom is like you're just now getting you know home and <laughs> you smell <laughs> you know you, you yeah, smell he's basically warm. a frat boy at yeah, the beginning of the movie pretty much but i like that the dude who tricks him is literally in the a field of death yes and Gawain is like, yeah, I'll trust this dude. <laughs> yeah, like if, like, there's something weird about like this there's random dude off. here just being in this crowd. Oh well, this field that was just went through a war. You know, scorched. All these, yeah, <laughs> why is this dude just randomly out here? You know, but yeah. you know, again, when you don't have any experience, you you know, you have stupidity yeah. is what you trust. Uh, I like this panning scene where they tie him up and leave him in the woods. Mm. And he it like pans around because the guy goes, um, rest your bones. Yeah. And so the camera slowly pans around in like a 360 and it lands back at Gawain, who's now a, a skeleton tied up still. He literally took it to heart. He rested his bones, died right there. And it continues panning around and Gawain's like, Living again and just like, oh, no, I I can't die here. Yeah. This can't end here. So he finds some um, resolve in that moment where he's just like, I can't just die where I'm where I'm laying here. Like, that's ridiculous. And I think that that panning around is just him thinking like, yeah, I'll just I'll just die here. Like, I'll just stay put and maybe someone will find me. Maybe you know, lightning will strike and I can get out of this without his own, like his own, um, effort. Yeah. At at least he decides to actually 
do something about it himself, you know? At mm-hmm. least he decides to make a choice of, I'm going to get myself out of this type of thing. How did you interpret when he met that ghost in that house? Okay. That so, whole scene. So the ghost, who's played by the girl who was on Cap- uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, okay, so how did I interpret it? I interpreted that as, I felt like it was almost like a test. Not necessarily like it's fully testing him, but it is like a moment of what are you going to do here now that you have an opportunity to help this girl, right? But at the same time, you are sleeping in her bed. You like took this house unannounced without, you know, finding to see if there was anyone who owned it. Mm. Um, And then on top of that, like... She is questioning questioning you, you know, like she has questions for you. And the answers that you're giving are not necessarily the best answers. Like, I think she he asked her, and what do I get in return when she asked him, hey, my head is in the lake. So my interpretation is very similar to yours, where he comes into this house Goldilocks style and it's not his house. He has no it's right not. to the abode. And when you come to find out, oh, this girl is in the house and it's her house, her bed that she he's sleeping in, it's almost like a rape a bit of this home, this mm-hmm. property. Yeah. It's not his. He's taken it essentially by force. Yeah, because he didn't see anyone else here, so he just decided, you know what? And it's I'm a just parallel it. to what happened to her where she was a virgin who was raped and then killed, beheaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her request, please find my head, I can't get to it. It's been tossed into this pond out front. In chivalry, the code of chivalry means also that you must, you know, uh, if any request is made of you, especially by a lady, it must be done. Yes. And the fact that he first asks, what will you give me? In return. Literally, she's like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. That, why would you in, even ask that? She literally goes, why would you even ask that? Yes. Why would you even ask that? Because it's wrong of him to ask that. It is. Again, showing his immaturity or lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just keeps compounding itself as the movie goes. Right. And... Yeah, so I felt like it did feel like a test that, that moment. I and, mean, for the character. Yeah, for the character itself. And so, yeah. But he so, does it, and then he does get something in return. He does Which get, maybe would have been given regardless. But if he had been smarter about the situation, it would have been given to him in, in, in better faith mm. than... And I like that, you know... You don't have to do something with with the expectation that you're going to get something in return. Yes. That's another thing. That's like a lesson that I think people are still trying to get into their little heads today. Yeah. like <laughs> You know, me included. You, you Exactly. Me too. Like, you don't have to do something expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that leads us into basically his next, you know, moment, which is he the meets fox. the fox. Mm-hmm. Well... Is that the next? Yeah, that is the next moment is Mm -hmm. that he meets the fox. He meets this fox that's kind of been around him. Kind of been following him Mm -hmm. throughout. 
And in the poem, he is basically feeling like the fox that is chased. You know, all of these um, insecurities and legacy that's hanging over him with his uncle and King Arthur and this covenant that's just a burden to him. You know, he feels like he's being chased like the fox. He feels like a prey, like prey versus predator. He does. And I like that the fox is like his buddy throughout. Who did you think the voice of the fox was? I don't know. Even up to now, I don't know. I think it's know. up to interpretation. It is, isn't it? Because what would you, what would you the think? The voice you of mean? the fox, because later on, and we're skipping a part of the movie, but yeah, I, no, we'll since come we're talking to about the, fox, yeah. uh, when the fox actually like talks to Gawain, like with yeah. an actual human voice and says, you know, don't go. You know, because he's like approaching the Green Chapel and says, don't go. And what else does the fox say? Like, the, <laughs> I did not mean that. I did not mean that. That was not on purpose. That was not okay. on purpose, guys. Okay. So the fox is, says, come home to me. There we go. So, I mean, it could be the mother because we know from earlier the mother is, is some sort a of witch, witch some sort of conjurer witch. Uh, if you don't want to go with that interpretation, you could go with the interpretation that it is Alicia, Alicia Vikander's character. Yeah, that maybe she has through some means, either it's his imagination mm-hmm. or it's an actual like witchcraft of some kind that this fox is speaking. Uh, but either way, it is someone from home reaching out. And my guess is one of those two characters. It can't. I can't imagine King Arthur is the one saying any of that. No, I think upon first watch, I thought it was the mom. It would make the most sense. But then I also thought it could be Alicia. Like it was very come home to me almost... I don't know. It could be Alicia as well. Yeah, I, I can I can see why it would be Alicia. All right. So let's go t- back toward the huge estate that he stumbles upon after tripping on mushrooms with the fox. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, coming across these giants, bald, hairless giants. Yes. And there were female versions because there was one that was breastfeeding a baby. As I couldn't the, tell you at all what what I interpret that to be. <laughs> I, I was like, that's weird either. as shit. That's know. A24 right there. <laughs> yep, that is definitely an A24 moment. <laughs> so he ends up at this castle. And because of hospitality rules and chivalry, they just let him in. They give him food and, and shelter. And that is where Joel Edgerton comes in. His young wife is Alicia Vikander. As like a weird doppelganger. <laughs> it looks exactly like her. It it's is her, her yeah. pretty much. Uh-huh. It is her. Like, but it's cool that they seem to, they wanted to juxtapose what she would be like if she came from the bright background and was, was not a whore. Pretty much. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Uh, that's a very interesting way of like contrasting his view of this woman that mm-hmm. he obviously has feelings for and does you know care for at least but 
is so stringent on his own view of what society wants from him mm-hmm. that he's not allowing himself to be with her in that way. Mm-hmm. But now he's getting to see what it would be like. If, a fine lady if, in a, a castle. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's that's a very interesting way of showing it. And yeah, so here is where he comes. He is challenged yet we again. We come back to the real epic poem where he does land at this estate and Joel Edgerton is his host. Yes. And Joel Edgerton says, oh, the Green Chapel is not too far. Two days ride um, away from here. And how about this? How about I go out and hunt every day and I bring you the best of what I have caught and hunted and you give me anything that you've won here in the house while you've been here. Whatever you've uh, uh, acquired, you give it to me. And I thought it was so weird, you know, in the context of the movie as well. Literally, Deb Patel is like, I am here in your house. What could I possibly win throughout the day? What could I possibly get to give to you? I am y- here at your Beck and call like you are the host <laughs> and um you know it is a trap a trick you know another test because the wife is um seducing him yeah throughout throughout the stay and of course like i said before if a woman makes a request you have to say yes exactly but in this case you also can't uh, commit adultery in your host's house and betray the trust of this dude. So he's in a literal conundrum like a catch-22 the whole time he's there with Alicia Vikander. It is wild. <laughs> yeah. What? Because Vikander's character in this moment does, like, initially, like, put the moves on him. You know, like... Basically, like, do you like books? And then have you read? And then, like, slowly trying to get to know him and also, like, trying to slightly seduce him in a way. You know, will you give me a kiss? And so he, you know, obliges. But, you know, it's a kiss on the cheek. But it it kind of, like, gets him to a point like, oh, shit, I can't really say no here. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He He's definitely lost. Like, he doesn't know what exactly he's in to right now. What what moment is waiting It's more for confusing him? because he knows her. Like, exactly. Well, he sexually. knows her. <laughs> right. Exactly. So he knows this woman because he is involved with a woman who looks exactly like her. So for him, it's confusing because how am I supposed to say no to a woman that I love? But I know that's not the woman that I'm talking to. But she resembles her, you know, she is her almost. Yeah. And she offers to uh, paint him and she like does. Let's pause here because also she takes like the little bell that. Oh, that's the original (laughs) Alicia gave him. Yes. And it is very, very much like who is more pure. Is it the wife, Alicia, who is trying to seduce a man who isn't her his her husband? Or is it the whore who adores him and wants to be exclusive with him and 
wants to please him in all aspects of their future life together. Wants to be his lady. Right. You know? So, yeah, which one is more honorable? Which one's the more honorable woman? Right. Like, that's also in the mix as well. That is a great way of saying that because of the fact that just like what we're dealing with, you know, yeah, she is a lady of the night. But this woman is not being faithful to her husband by seducing, you know, yeah. Sir Gawain. So, yeah, very so much complexity. I know that is happening here. Now uh, we got to talk about the big moment it, between them. You talk about it. Because I will talk I don't know about what it to say. in a moment. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the big moment between them is that. Well, first off, the the people who stole from him, like his horse and everything, they stole his green sash, the green mm-hmm. sash that his mother Given made. To him. Yeah. And that was a big deal because she obviously it's enchanted. Put, it's enchanted. Like she put something in there that would protect him. And so now this character. So in the original poem, the mom doesn't do that like he doesn't get the sash at the beginning he gets it now like at the end with right so this character but here's here's the great thing the pretty cool thing about it is that this character now has it in some right. magical way right right she and said so there was a, a talisman or something that was sewn into it exactly. and it will keep you from harm right yeah no matter what as long as you're wearing it it will keep you from harm so how bad does he want that sash? How bad does he want to live? Exactly. <laughs> so in this moment, this is where the doppelganger basically says, like, do you want it bad enough to the point where you're willing to basically have sexual relations for it with mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it gets pretty intimate. She basically. What is? Does she give him a blow? Not a blow. Hand. hand job. Yeah, she gives him a hand job because after she's done, the camera turns to his hand with the sash in his hand, and he basically has a sperm on it. So literally jizzed on this green sash. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And, and it's like for like two seconds. It's not. It was too long, so but shocking it feels to me. Long. Yeah, it does feel long. <laughs> it feels long. It's not that long, but it feels long. Yeah. Uh, it feels yeah. like an eternity that that's on the screen. I know. And it's not something that you would expect to see in a movie at all. But hey, A24, am I right? <laughs> Frustrated sex scene. Frust- yes, it was extremely <laughs> frustrating. And he fled like David. No, I, this is the, I did it again. I you did, did it, it again. again. I did it again. He fled like Joseph, is what I meant yeah. to say, uh, from the Bible when he was tempted by the queen. No, he f- Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife. Man, I am all over the place with this story. Uh, but got to brush up on your Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But basically, he ran out of there like a bat out of hell, and he starts running into the forest because he can't. He be He meets there anymore. Joel Edgerton, yes, who literally Joel, holds who was him hunting. to. Was hunting holds him to it there because they had a covenant themselves, a promise. And he said, Okay, here's what I got. Give me what you got. And they kiss. Yeah, he goes in and kisses <gasps> Sir Gawain. Oh my God. So 
I mean, I read some stuff online that was like, oh, it's very homoerotic. And even in the original poem, like, what's up with the three kisses that he gives um, Joel Edgerton's character? But I don't know. I don't know if I feel it so much in the epic poem as much as I did in the film. In the film, <laughs> it feels like very significant. Yes. The way. How, what would you like to add to that? I would say that this is I I wouldn't say I think most people would read it as like this character is is homosexual and attracted to Gawain. But I don't read it exactly as, as that. Mm. I do read it as holding up the bargain, holding up what he is making Sir Gawain give him what he actually received. Like mm-hmm. if if my wife kiss you or you gave a kiss to my wife you owe me that you know and if you're a man if you're a man of honor whatever it is that was given to you in that house that my house i told you whatever is given to you that is what i want so i think the issue is that in the epic poem gawain is more honorable in the sense that he gives the kiss to joel edgerton's character i don't care remember his name but he volunteers that. He's like, okay, this is what I got today. And it was a kiss. And in the movie, he doesn't do that. Edgerton no. initiates the kiss. The, like all, full on on the mouth. Because you know why I So believe- that is a little different than I actually did get a kiss from your wife. That's all I gave her. And here's what I'm going to give you. No. So what I feel happened there is because we're dealing with a lot of like you know, like witchcraft and sorcery and stuff like that. My guess is that in some way, uh, some type of, you know, witchcraft is involved or some t- something is involved mm-hmm. that would allow for Joel Edgerton's character to know, to know. what happens in his own home. Mm-hmm. So that's why he initiates the kiss because he knows he received that. But there is one thing that, Sir Gawain got that he did not offer and he give. He did not offer the green sash. The green sash. And that comes into play in just mm. the moment when Yeah, because he ultimately broke their promise was not, was dishonorable because he did not give him the green sash that he received as well. Exactly. So he And he, a coward because yes. he will not be killed if he wears the green sash. Yes. So Let's talk about this moment. This is kind of the end of the moment. Let's talk really fast about the essay that Alicia Vikander has about the color green. Oh, okay. Yes. Did you like that? That reminded me a lot of like uh, Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse where he's like, Hark! (laughs) Except not so showy. Not so showy. No, it wasn't. But I... I did like the the monologue yeah. throughout. Like she's describing the color green and what it right. represents, pretty much. Yeah, and I thought that was a pretty good moment, you know. Uh, but one thing I will say, though, on top of that, is that the camera, the way the camera moves in on her so slowly as she's mm. delivering that moment, is mm. is very well, very mm. well done. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, other than that, so it's the showdown, it's the showdown between the green knight and 
Dev Patel's Gawain. They do a Twilight ending on this. Well, a Breaking Dawn Part 2 ending on this because he ends up running away, fully submitting to his cowardice, does not fulfill the covenant, and just goes home. <laughs> Literally goes home, lives out the rest of his life as an awful person. Yeah. An awful leader. Yes. And uh, what does he do? He impregnates Alicia Vikander and leaves her leaves her takes high the and dry after taking their child and raising it marries another woman who looks like a a, a pure perfect virginal wife yeah. versus a whore right and ends up i guess ripping apart the country in war yeah because basically vain pursuits of yeah. conquering other nations or I have no idea. It just doesn't have a peaceful reign. No. His son dies. Son dies in battle. Uh also on top of that, he is not loved by the people either. No. Because no. like when he returns from a war, he um he the is war thrown where his son thing- died. Yeah, he is thrown things. Yeah, from he the gets crowd. tomatoed in the square and then at the end he basically has this moment where everyone leaves him one by one and yep. he's alone when the green knight comes to collect yeah the debt exactly and he gets his head lobbed off and you're just like oh my god what a crazy as shit montage and ending it was so unsatisfactory because the knight really didn't become a knight no you know? No, no, didn't. And then, but then, boom, we're back cut, to this moment. We cut back to that moment where mm-hmm. he is on his hands he and knees. He had to decide: does he stay or does he go? Right. And so, at that moment, he takes off the green sash, and then he says, "Now I'm ready." Yeah. And that is when, um, the <laughs> Green Knight pretty much says, "You know, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing that he says, but I know that he says, um." Basically, like you, you, you passed, you, you, passed, you made the <laughs> yeah. right choice, and now it's time for your beheading. And it cuts to the title card, the Green Knight. So, there is a little bit of a Quentin Tarantino Once Upon a Time in Hollywood ending because that's not how the epic poem ends, right? This is the a epic revisionist, poem, exactly. It's revisionist because he does not take off the green sash. And the Green Knight ends up calling him out on his shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why were you, why did you keep this from me? Why did you try and basically cheat? Right. <laughs> and he ends up going back, Gawain ends up going back and telling all the knights what happened. He fesses up to his mistake, lives to tell the tale. And everyone basically forgives him and they move on. Right. That's but the way in it's this written. case. That's the way it's written by Anonymous. <laughs> by <laughs> but, Anonymous. Yeah. But in this case, the movie does revise it and give him a hero's ending, essentially, where he does not succumb, you know, succumb to cowardice and removes the sash that would otherwise keep him alive and comes to terms with death, essentially, as well. Yes. With his own demise. I like how he says, what else is there? 
You know, is this all there is? Yeah, because talking about because he feels like he's at the end of his life. And he's so young, he hasn't really done anything. Right. He hasn't really lived yet. And the Green Knight goes, what else is there? Yeah. I, I and that's just before like they the break question. for the montage. Right. But, I did like that question. Yeah. When, because he's there to honor the deal, obviously, right? Yeah. But, like, you know, he flinches at a moment. Then the next time he's like, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Like, yeah. And the Green Knight's just there like, come on, dude. We're supposed yeah. to be doing this here. And mm-hmm. when he asked that question, is that all there is? Like, he is expecting it to be something else. He's expecting more from mm-hmm. the moment. He he is expecting it to be, like, a prize almost, like a reward for for doing what he was supposed to do, which was mm-hmm. committing to the moment. But at yeah, the end of the day... what is my reward for he, following all the rules? Pretty it's much. dying? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly his thought, his feeling on it. Is mm-hmm. is how it is. And I think if you are an audience member and have never read that story at all and you only have seen this movie, you would think the same thing. You would think like, wait, is is this it? Like he's just going to die? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that is the game that he chose to be part of. Mm-hmm. He chose an eye for an eye. An eye for or an eye. Or a head for a head. <laughs> yeah, in this case, yeah. Imagine if he had, instead of trying to cut this guy's head off, which he does, imagine if he just, like, nicked him, you know? Yeah. Would it have been a different tale? Most likely. He was very unmerciful. Exactly. Like, he wanted to try to prove that he was a man Mm -hmm. well before he had any inclination that he actually was one. He didn't... He was not ready to for to make a choice mm-hmm. that was to be considered as a man. Right. He wasn't ready for it. He, he wasn't thought, ready to fulfill this commitment. No, to he wasn't. Be in this covenant with the Green Knight. No, he was not ready for it. And so he went full one hundred when he could have gone fifty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it probably changes the way it ends here at the end for him. Yeah. Treat others how you would like to be treated. <laughs> But then he finally makes a choice that is truly honorable. Mm-hmm. He takes off the green sash. Removes the green sash. And he finally says, I am ready. It's it's profound. Amazing. It's, it's profound. profound. <laughs> it is. It is. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Um. On, I know the movie has been or the year hasn't been like all that great, but this is really high up there in mm-hmm. in the movies from this year. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, our top movies of the year. Uh, I'm pretty sure nothing else since that time has made the list except this one, at least for oh, me. Old definitely made my top five. Oh, oh wow. Um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't go that far, but I know that this definitely. I mean, I had a pretty jumped. crappy top five as well. Like. Uh, that is true. I think we both had a pretty well, for a year, pretty <laughs> crappy top five. But nonetheless, though, I think this is a great movie. Is it for everyone? No. No. <laughs> I cannot sit here and recommend it to people. Only because I don't know what people go in for. Like, if you're going into a movie to escape, this is not the movie for you. Uh, but if you're going into a movie 
looking for more interpretation, like trying to find your own interpretation to the text that is on in a movie, then yeah, like this is a mm-hmm. movie. Definitely check it out. Definitely yeah. try it out. If you like A24 movies, check definitely it out. Definitely check it out. Yeah, you know, this is right up for you. So I think with that said, did you have anything else about the, oh, well, what did you give the movie as a oh, score? Oh, four to five. Me too. The Me jizz too. on the sash took it down a point. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, a full star was lost for the uh, frustrated sex scene. But um, that's just a personal preference. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed it as well. And I would definitely check it out again to like, like to glean more from it. Yes, because it feels like I didn't get everything the first yeah, time. Me too. There's a lot of stuff that is just hidden in there. Uh, and I can't wait to explore that again sometime in the future. So, yeah, we'll definitely I will definitely check that out. I can't wait. Uh, so I think with that said, yeah. I think we're good on the Green Knight. So that's two movies. This is a double header double here. Double feature. Uh, very enjoyable stuff. So with that said, though, before we get out of here, if this is your first time listening, thank you for giving this episode a chance. Thank you for listening to us on our review. Uh, we had a fun time talking about both of the movies, even though we'd like them in different ways. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go ahead and subscribe, go ahead and do that on your favorite podcast app. We're on all of them. Apple, Spotify, Google. Just find us on one of those and subscribe. Uh, if you want to learn more about us in terms of, hey, we want to talk to you. We're on all the socials at Always Critic Pod. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. And finally, if you really like us, if you've subscribed, you've done all that, you've rated us five stars on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and become a patron. Uh, That is a great way to show your support. And that way we could do more stuff. That is at patreon.com slash always critic pod. With that said, that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic podcast. (laughs) 